Hello, I'm your host, Mazeril, and welcome to a very delayed episode of Phoenix Watch, the show dedicated to you, the community growing around Ashes of Creation. And the primary cause for this delay is that we are now on YouTube, and I am, for the first time, able to be found at twitch.tv slash Come toss us a like, a subscribe. You can find the links in the description for this episode. And if somehow you are still having us on your feed then thank you so much for sticking around uh, i'm going to try to have new episodes new interviews out just about every week if not again every other week but without further ado let's jump into this one where i sit down with valen and Kavon. we discuss the unofficial ashes of creation roleplay discord and their hopes and dreams for the roleplay community as a whole that's Kavon, and further beyond is that's valen and I'm, we're going to talk today about the server that the very first video of this youtube uh, announced the unofficial Ashes of Creation roleplay server and kind of its history, its goals, and the hopes and dreams of role players for this game. Uh, Kayvon, how are you doing? Uh, not too bad today. It's pretty, uh, pretty nice day today. Yeah, that's great. And Valen, you? I'm doing great. Awesome. So, uh, Kayvon, I, I know you're kind of the one that started spearheading the Ashen Pillars, which was the project that eventually led into this. Do you want to give us a little bit of a quick history and rundown of what led to the unofficial server? So um, with the Ashen Pillars, uh, we created that because guild leaders of roleplay guilds had not had a place um, to communicate, and everyone was always asking about activity uh, with the roleplay community. However, myself, um, I did not want to start up a roleplay community by myself. I don't have the mm -hmm. time to do that. But what I did want to do is I wanted to create that like immersive world and get like all of the heads of the communities talking and interacting with each other. So that's mm -hmm. what the Ashen Pillars is. It's to get that immersive environment. Um, but later on, as we went on, more and more people who were on Gilded or in guilds but their guild doesn't necessarily role play or role play as a main focus so they won't be on the rp server they wanted a uh, place that is friendly to role players and talk about you know their stuff so then valen approached me about you know uh the two of us coming together and uh creating this ashes of role uh the ashes of role play discord um for to make our unofficial uh, role play server and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so the two of us have really spearheaded and set this thing up. Um, and we've been grown to, I think we're at 200 and almost 230 members now in it, mm -hmm. ranging from role play guilds to some are, you know, those sweaty PVPers out there that, you know, they, they hide that they're role players, but they're actually role players. So, mm -hmm. uh, we got all sorts of variety of people in here, and uh, we're looking to bring in a lot more people. So, yeah, right on. And uh, so, Valen, you were the one who kind of approached Kavon to start off the server. Then, uh, yeah, it it was looking at what was available. Mm -hmm. uh, most of the community was fairly inactive mm -hmm. because it was let's wait till launch. And I'd had people message knowing that I backed Ashes going is this game already dead i looked at the roleplay community and there's been no activity for over a year mm -hmm. and that's that's a bad sign we were coming up to the first uh at the time nda being dropped you can have new people looking and people's gonna think the roleplay community's dead role players are gonna start looking elsewhere and 
that's when I decided, okay, let's do something. And it, it took off a lot quicker than mm-hmm. I expected. I'm, I'm glad it did. Uh, like Andoin said, we've been growing. Like, we get new people almost every day. Yep. And it's not slowing down. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, for a brand new Discord server, for something that's a niche within a niche within a niche, a uh, little over 200, almost 230 members is definitely fantastic. Um, yeah, so what would you guys... So, from what I'm understanding, the overall goal of the server is just to kind of uh, serve as a gathering, because I think the only other place there really is right now is Roleplaying Tavern, the the one channel in the in the forum. That's not the most active of places to be. Um, are are you guys looking to start doing stuff already, like start building so, up events and stuff, or are you looking to like wait, so like wait until persistent testing? Sorry. Yeah. Um. So one thing that we're approaching. Um. There's a few things. Mm-hmm. Uh. One thing. Uh. We would like to create like those uh RP channels for people to start interacting with their characters within uh the Discord and use that mm-hmm. kind of Discord text role play. Um. However, uh, I think we both agreed that we wanted to wait till we're closer to game because then more one more lore will be out there. Mm-hmm. Two. Uh. People won't get burnt out on the roleplay since there's not a game to roleplay in. Mm-hmm. And three, um, we want people to give people time to establish their character in their own headcanon. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we're not forcing people saying, you have to come roleplay now or we're not going to recognize you. You know, right. We want to give people time to settle into the game, especially because uh, as we've seen these last, what, six months, since the Asmund Gold, or it's longer than that now. But anyway, Asmund Gold and Lazy yeah. Peon video, there's been millions of new people popping up, you know, mm-hmm. thousands, thousands and thousands. So, you know, uh, we, especially in the roleplay community, uh, role players, you know, I'm, I'm always watching the Discord for possible new role players to pull into, into our community here. Um, you know, you have new faces coming in all the time. So we don't mm-hmm. want to we don't want to rush them to rush them into getting into the role play, but we will be offering, you know, discord role play. Um, I know my group is doing D and D type things set in old Vera. And mm-hmm. I know there's a bunch of other guilds doing the same thing. Uh, so I think we might, um, depending on how well it goes with my guild, I might pull over some of my DMS to help in the general uh, community to create those short one-shot campaigns and stuff like that so people can dip their toes into role play but you know not have to set aside oh well sunday's my D game so or D day so every single sunday from here on out i can't do anything mm-hmm. well we want to uh space things out and give people the opportunity to uh role play how they want sure so. and just kind of give them room to breathe as they explore the game yes. um yeah easy enough and then uh well, for that, why don't you guys? Because I, I had mentioned the Ashen Pillars. You and I have done an interview on it in the past, but just a, a quick run through of that, and if there's any ties in between pillars and this server. So between the two, mm-hmm. so they are completely separated. Mm-hmm. Um, Ashen Pillars is going to be something that exists within the RP community, um, as we will be 
involved in you know what the greater rp community and storyline is doing however uh you do not have to be a member of ashen pillars to be a member of the rp community mm -hmm. however we do welcome everyone who wants to get involved with the ashen pillars project um the ashen pillars project has uh the the idea is basically all of the guilds that sign up and get involved with the ashen uh, ashen pillars project uh basically they are agreeing that the stories that happen from each of the guilds will be recognized and are uh and reacted to by the other guilds in there mm -hmm. so if valen here does a storyline about goblin invasion my guild will also react to what's going on in the his story be like you know ah the goblins are marching in the east or something like that you know mm -hmm. we're going to do stuff like that to make more immersion where it's not just your guild story in a small little bubble mm -hmm. we want to expand it like that with the entire uh, with the end game of course being capturing a couple of nodes hopefully leveling them up and growing yep. an actual like living breathing kingdom that's heavily focused on role play versus what many of the others might be which is pvp pve economics pvp that yep. sort of thing Okay. We want we want to make that haven for our peers, mm -hmm. you know. Like, and I think that's going to be a big pull for a lot of the RP community. Mm -hmm. Everyone, the big the big question and concern on everyone's minds is always, oh, the griefers, you know. Well, mm -hmm. the PVPers will always come after us. Well, if we're all together watching each other's back, and if even puts in these fail safes in the game. The griefers and, and PvPers aren't going to want to come over there because it's not going to be economically uh, economically beneficial to grief us. Mm -hmm. Because to declare war on that node, you're going to need all that extra resources to do such. To declare war on the guilds, you're going to have to need all those resources, you know. Mm -hmm. So it, it's one of those things by us coming together, by us putting aside all of this isolationist tendencies that we have had in these past MMOs, uh, you give ourselves, our future selves, the ability to create not only a friendly environment for RP, but one that we can build for the future and make long-term RP that involves not just, you know, whoever the king and queen are, but all the way down to the lowly blacksmith or mm -hmm. even the, the squires in the streets. Or, you know, if you decide to play a homeless man, you know, there's going to be options and ways that every single person, from the lowest person to the highest person, that they'll be able to get involved with the politics, the story, and everything. Sure. We want to make sure that it's a living, breathing uh, environment. So. Yeah. Um, so, Valen, just uh, for you, what... Uh... Kind of going, going a little bit back towards the uh, the griefers, PVPers. Obviously, the moment the word Haven is is said, I, I know I've already gotten comments like, "Oh, this isn't going to happen. No, no safe places. No no care bears." Do you have any examples of perhaps like other games you've played where our peers might not be as weak as many would initially assume? So I think the issue is in most games you have a way out of PVP. Mm -hmm. And a lot of role players will take that. When you don't have that, they do fight back. And I, I mm -hmm. that's that's what a lot of people see is they go, oh, role players don't PvP, role players don't do content, role players, you know, they sit in their their house and just role play all day. Or they sit in, in Goldshire and <clears throat> right. all day. 
<laughs> and lot oh, of players actually do a lot of the content, and it may just be for that new outfit, mm-hmm. you know, for the fashion in game, or that new furniture piece that they need. But they do the content, and same thing with PvP. Um, we look like easy targets, but when you have no choice but to fight back, we will. Mm-hmm. And so I do think, like you said, with all of us together, mm-hmm. if if you know, somebody attacks you or your guild, you know, my guild will come in and help. You know, Anduin's guild will come in and help. And that lets people see that, okay, the role players are a unified force. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then, I mean, of course, the fact that it's non-consensual PvP kind of goes both ways. If if you guys are just trying to have, like, and I know, like, traditionally, you, you can definitely see old YouTube videos of people crashing funerals, weddings, all sorts of other in character events. Um, what's a little corruption spread amongst the entire guild? Uh, if, if you and like five other people want to try to go grief, you could easily find yourself just completely overwhelmed numbers wise, right? Well, there's more than enough mercenary guilds out there that mm-hmm. we could easily pay to work security for them, and they would. That they've uh, a lot of them have advertised that they're willing to go red for the right amount of coin. So yeah, for sure. Um. Yeah, so that, that gets us, of course, through the server, through Ashen Pillars, and the, the big question that always comes up with those two is, how would a haven like this exist? And usually it, it seems like it boils down to, well, people people playing the game know how to play the game. And if they're going to keep fighting back, they're going to keep getting better at it, they should be able to defend themselves at some point or pay someone to help do that. Um, getting into some like bigger roleplay stuff, seeing how you guys kind of like this bird-eye view of uh role players what kind of uh what kind of tools are you guys really excited that's you know currently announced for for ashes that you think would be very interesting to other role players who haven't quite gotten into the game maitland you want to go first uh, sure mm-hmm. one of mine that i like and it's it's really a fairly simple thing is the profile system as they talked about every mm-hmm. character will have a character page built uh, into the, the main website, but it'll be open in the game when you click on someone. Mm-hmm. And you'll be able to have history, you'll have a, a journal. Like uh, Steven mentioned, you could have a journal and you could do entries, so you know, if you and your group is doing a dungeon, you could create a roleplay entry on that, and people could read it. And kind of, so it's, you're creating your own your own book, almost. Um, and then the the monster coin system and this mm-hmm. is more for events mm-hmm. uh people that want to run events you know you could have a dragon that's actually attacking the city mm-hmm. and it opens up a whole new avenue of role play that most games don't allow because uh, if you look most games you're you're limited to this is what the game has there's mm-hmm. no such thing as controlling you know a, a raid creature there's no such thing as attacking a city and that by itself opens up the imagination of role players and what they can do Mm -hmm. so to back up backpack off of that one of the biggest things that makes this an outstanding role play game is the fact that there is player conflict that Mm -hmm. the world changes the fact it's a sandbox MMO makes your RP options so much more because now you're no longer having to sit there and roll 
and DM these events. Now you can go out and if you if you play as a military or a PvP RP guild and you play as like this military group that mm-hmm. you know you escort caravans, you can now escort escort caravans and go on marches and stuff mm-hmm. and like you know patrol the roll uh patrol the roads and stuff like that and fight in these sieges and become you know uh soldiers of fortune and whatnot it as you know as sailors you can now sail around the around the world exploring and hunting those monsters if you want to be a bounty hunter you can go out and become a bounty hunter in this mm-hmm. game another thing is the fact is you can literally call yourself a monster hunter and there's monsters in the world that are solo uh, that are one-time kills Mm -hmm. that are these monsters that literally only a small percentage of the world is going to be able to beat and if you're if you're a good enough monster hunter you could be one of the people to kill these monsters Mm -hmm. it's these things that kind of really pull in the rpg Mm -hmm. or the mmo to the rpg side of things Mm -hmm. and actually benefits our role players into being more than just rolling uh and you know uh playing around like in uh goldshire you know Mm so well yeah exactly and kind of piggybacking off of the uh, the sandbox part is you're not tied to the story real hard to, to roleplay as something unique if you're in Azeroth and everybody calls you a champion or a general yep. or whatever it is they're calling you that. Um, it, it, it's really hard to feel like you stand out on your, for your own merits if every single person around you is a Maw Walker. So and that doesn't really exist. Like we, I know like lore is supposed to play a huge role, but for a sandbox game, I, I feel like it always plays a secondary role to the stories that can be created. Because even even for like those people who don't usually nerd out around the table and get really into like the rolling of dice, building other characters, um, I, I do feel there's a level of role play when it comes to um, like just infiltrating an enemy guild and getting information so that you can let your buddies know so you guys can go and uh, take over that that node or the castle or just in the win the guild war. It, it might be a very mechanical thing for you, but the, I, I feel like there's a base level of role play with that. Mm. That I, I I think where it, it kind of marries both sides really well is a game that is the game that Intrepid's trying to build here. Yep. Um, and I mean mm-hmm. the, that that aside, so like that's one of the main reasons I think this is a really good thing for role players because mm-hmm. if you look at Star Wars Galaxies, which was a sandbox MMO, that from everyone that was involved in the role play on there mm-hmm. you could create amazing stunning stories you built cities and had these major um this major political thing going on between you know the empire and the rebels and you know and all of this stuff was going on um so you you are given this platform to really build these stories but i mean off of mechanical stuff I would say the biggest things for uh, for role players is the fact of freeholds and non-instanced housing is mm-hmm. huge. That means that you have to go and visit your buddy's house. You don't mm-hmm. just teleport there. So that non-fast travel actually 
you know, a lot of people talk about, oh, it hinders roleplay. Well, it actually increases it because now you have travel roleplay between mm-hmm. the houses. Now you have to talk about, you know, setting up camp or what you did on the way there instead of just skipping to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And then, well, also with the travel, since, and I've, I've, I've hit this on a couple of my videos that are coming out. I really need to release a video or two, but, uh, the game is going to be fairly regional. I, I don't see any re- anything that's changing my mind on that. Uh, nodes really only affect their immediate nodes. And with how large the game is, it's... I, I, I equate it to living in, in the States. Many people probably don't leave their backyard. Even fewer ever leave the state they're in. Um, and that's probably going to be very true. Like You might go out to a faraway node for one specific quest, but the majority of your grinding will probably be fairly close to home. Where you go out just to get, you know, goblin ears because you know they sell better at your node. That means the most, the majority of your time crafting and everything is at your node. Um, and if that's all, well, if you're surrounded by a bunch of role players, it kind of just deepens that bond a bit. Well, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. if anything, I feel like the economists or the people who want to sell crafts and stuff, mm-hmm. they're going to naturally move towards the role players because role players will buy all your crappy items and whatnot because mm-hmm. they want to use it for role play. That's true. Um a lot of old white items from WoW. Yeah. I mean, what was it? The pirate hat in WoW was going for a hundred gold and it's mm-hmm. like a common drop from level ten or something Same like that. Same with the open uh the open shirts and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> um but like one thing off of that regional thing uh people have done the math um mm-hmm. about how long it will take to get across our massive world we're talking we're talking hours mm-hmm. you know it's it's not going to be like a simple a simple you know oh well just go over there take 30 minutes you know it's going to take hours to get across like people have uh people have done the math to range from anywhere from 3 up to 12 hours to get across the map which if if it is up into the like you know seven to 12 hours to get across that map you're going to have to plan with your group to travel you know you're not going to be able to just pick up everything in an afternoon and be like well we're going over here you know you got to plan and things so that's that's really cool because that's going to in uh there's going to be a bunch of different politics that's going to happen. You're going to have your your local politics of your of your node. You're going to have your regional politics of the surrounding nodes, and then you're going to have your uh, your continent politics, mm-hmm. and then your world politics. Precisely, which will take a long time to set up. But I'm excited for that. Um, kind of sticking. Uh, and Valen, I'll ask you this one. Kind of going back towards like the player housing, and of course we have uh, guild housing taverns uh do you think these will be enough for role players do you think but you would you like to see intrepid when when you get up to a specific size like village and higher nodes add in just empty places or do you think everything that's empty should be purchasable by uh by the players well so we also we will have instance housing as well mm-hmm. uh, uh i think it's city or town and above, uh, the mayor can build an apartment building mm-hmm. to add that. But as in every building virtual by players, I, I don't think so. I mean, you do have to have some things that players can't touch. Mm-hmm. Just to, like, 
yes, in an ideal world, it would be nice if the blacksmith in town was actually a player. Right. If the tavern in town was run by a player. If if the bank, you know, was a player-run thing. Mm -hmm. But I don't think we've hit that point that we could reliably have that. Um, maybe the future. Mm -hmm. But I, I think right now with what they offered, it, it's it's the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. We have the the open world housing, which from what Steven had said, it's not going to be like Arc Age, for example, where there wasn't enough land for everyone. Mm -hmm. He has said there is enough land in the game that if you want a freehold, you can get one. Now, it mm -hmm. may not be where you want it at, but there will be a spot for it. Uh, housing in the city, in the nodes, that's going to be more limited. Mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of going to be a... Uh, it, it'll be it'll be very hard to get that. That's yeah. It, it'll show who's that's been a status people. symbol. Yes, yeah. I think I think your houses inside your metro, since they're going to be a mansion by town center, mm -hmm. that is a status symbol. Um, you know, so... also a good way to make money. You'll have people so... that work from day one in you know the outpost. They get a house, work up to a metropolis finally, and then they sell it just for the gold. Mm -hmm. So like going to World of Warcraft, I remember in vanilla, Ironforge was the place for role players. Uh, in BC, of course, like the first BC, it was um, Sunspire, not Sunspire. It was the uh, the Blood Elf air, uh, main capital city. I'm blanking on the name. Oh, um, something Moon, right? Silver Moon. Silver. Silver yeah. Moon. There you go. Uh, both of these were very very popular with role players because they just had a lot of places that. I would call them stages. There weren't a lot of NPCs around. They didn't have a lot of barking. They just had, they were just open places where players could just gravitate to. Do you think the taverns and the, the current plans for housing will be enough for that? Or are you hoping that like metropolises will have some just empty buildings that might not belong to anybody? They're not purchasable, but they can be used as stages by role players or even like staging grounds for non role players and things like that. So. Well, actually, here, I can talk on this. Mm -hmm. So, since uh, the NDA was dropped, uh, the verbal one, mm -hmm. um, what we've seen so far of uh, housing, or of the buildings in uh, the nodes so far, so this is Tier 3. Obviously, mm -hmm. they're going to you know, get revamped and stuff, but we have, like, 10 to 12 uh, you know, player houses mm -hmm. inside the node, um, and then you have, you know your main, you know, trade buildings. So, like, there's a caravan building to rent your caravans, your town hall, you have a chapel, uh, a blacksmith area, stuff like that. So, you know, there are going to be those type of buildings. Mm -hmm. As far as role-play buildings, um, I don't know. I like to see... I like to see cities alive and breathing. So, you know, NPCs are great, but, you know, if, if it... If the game is as regional as I hope it's going to be, I'm hoping that players are going to be going in and out of the city into their houses doing things and hosting things. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of role play is going to be invested um, by, uh, you know, uh, by individual, uh, some individuals, but I think a lot of things will be group hosted and larger scale things. So uh, just because of, uh, you know, where where things are 
now when we when we talk about that haven idea um you know i think mm-hmm. we have the manpower to pull it off but the haven is pro the haven idea probably uh part of it will be talking to role players who own different buildings in the city and asking if those role players can keep their houses unlocked and make them into certain things that the city would use like you know make this person as the armor armory or something like that within mm-hmm. the within the city and stuff like that plus not to mention steven did say is we will be able at uh, the mayor will be able to choose uh, what buildings get built. So there will be a lot of NPC buildings in there that people will use. I'm sure that um, we can actually talk to different uh, players and say, hey, could you turn your, your house into a guard house? Mm-hmm. So this is where like the city's guards go. And then maybe another one is like, uh, we turn it into like a sort of um, a Senate hall. Mm-hmm. That, you know, they put a bunch of chairs and desks in for, you know, all the guild leaders and notable people in the town to ra- gather around when we need to deal with, you know, tough topics. Sure. So, um, yeah. So, uh, mm-hmm. I'll just say in on that, something that I would like to see. Sure. Not just the cities, but between the cities. A group get together, put their freeholds together, mm-hmm. and maybe it's a small trade outpost. You know, you may have a tavern, you may have... You know, somebody that has a shop mm-hmm. and it acts as, you know, it's not a, it's not a village. It's not a town. It's just a little outpost between the city, a, a rest mm-hmm. stop. Yeah, that'd be interesting yep. to see. I don't know exactly what the limitations would be there because I, I don't know if there's supposed to be like a safety barrier for uh, freeholds. But if that's possible to do, I, I think that'd be really awesome to see. Um, I know. I know my guild is planning to, uh, mm-hmm. a couple of my members are planning to make, like, a world map and make notable locations. So, like, if roleplay guilds set up their guild hall and then they have a bunch of freeholds and they name this portion of the map X town or village or something mm-hmm. like that because it's their territory, we're going to put it on there on our roleplay map. And we're going to provide this roleplay map to the rest of the community. Awesome. So then everyone is using the same map going hey i know where all of this stuff is you know Mm -hmm. that's a big plan that we're trying to do to facilitate role play uh... not only for our group but all of the groups all of the individuals out there so like if valen Mm -hmm. wants to open up a tavern freehold out in some desolate place we could have that be last end or something like that and you know people will go there you know on their travels yeah and And i'm gonna go ahead and help sorry Uh... And that would also open role play of you know a new character starts the game and you run into them and they're like oh yeah I would love to see the you know the capital city of this area mm-hmm. and instead of you could go okay you follow this road then you're gonna run into a tavern you know the serpent's eye mm-hmm. you know you may want to rest there and then from there continue east and you're gonna go you'll go to a small town and then from there so it's people sitting setting stuff up like that and then the world map. It'll be more role-play directions to get to where you want to go mm-hmm. instead of just, oh, you just click this button and you go to where you want. Right. Immersion is what we like to call it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and in that line, so uh, when, when it comes to telling players of, of any experience level, uh, what do you guys like to see? Do you guys want, or the community as a whole, are you seeing a lot of support for, like, I, I know Steven has 
wonder like if VoIP is worth it in towns. I know he definitely wants it in taverns. Uh, what are your guys' opinions on like what well, even if it's opt-in, just VoIP in general? So uh, VoIP uh, has been confirmed for your groups and guilds, mm -hmm. uh, but proximity chat with strangers, I don't think that he plans to do that um, just because of the whole, you know, griefer problem that you can mm -hmm. have with that. Uh, do I think it's a beneficial thing? I mean, a role play has exploded in recent years, uh, not text role play, but voice role play, uh, because of games like GTA five, mm -hmm. you know, you have GTA five role play, um, you know, where people are coming out and they're role playing literally all day playing as like a trash man or a cop or something mm -hmm. like that, you know? So I think VoIP does have a place in role play. Uh, however, am I a VoIP role player? I'm more tech role play. That's just what I've, you know, grew up on. Mm -hmm. So, and yeah. and of course, the difference with GTA is like it, you can get a mod pretty quickly to, to ban someone if they're just griefing you. Because yep. it's a lot of those are going to be whitelisted. Exactly, servers. they have yeah. hardcore rules. Where mm -hmm. as Steven has said numerous times, there will be no role play server. Mm -hmm. so the only policing we will have is our own. And if you know. Some mod is bored and you know wants to help us out. So. Mm -hmm. Right, and uh, I mean, because also no role play servers, but there's also no PvP, no PV. It's just the servers. Um, yep. Which kind of makes sense. I know that they're going for as few servers as they can get away with, um, to help like force as many people interacting with each other as possible. Um, yep. Yeah. So. Uh, excellent points on VoIP. So, um, hey, Valen, what are your thoughts on things? Like, I, I know uh, we, you and I, we had all kind of talked a little bit. Steven and Jeff had to uh, had to kind of go to bat for th basic things like chat bubbles. Do you have any, any thoughts on, like, what kind of text tools you would like to see in the game that you're hoping don't get cut or get added on? Well, something that I remember early on that was a we may or may not have this is custom emotes. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to text role play of you kind of need the custom. I mean, there there's always ways around it. Sure, but you you're talking about the slash e, and it just changes the color. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's always ways around it. Like you can still use normal text to to make it work, but mm -hmm. it's just they use the asterisks and stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's it's nice to have it. Uh, that is something that I I think since then they have changed it to we will have it mm -hmm. just probably closer to launch because it, that's such a small feature that it's not it's not worth doing it now sure but um i think that's one of the big things that for text role players you kind of need that way to do your own uh actions custom emotes mm -hmm. yeah and then uh of course while kind of like we're on emotes so is, is there a game that you guys think like really did social emotes well and that you would like to see copied into aoc uh, so far as social emote, I do like ESO's emote system mm -hmm. a lot. However, the problem with ESO is they don't have that, like, buddy. You can't do partner emotes or group mm -hmm. emotes, which, um, you know, if you're dancing with someone, like, that's one of the biggest critiques people have in, in ESO. You have to literally count down with your dance partner uh, to start the dance so you're synced and stuff like mm -hmm. that, where... You know, it should be nice if there's like a, a quick button, like press F to join them in on this emote or something mm -hmm. like that. 
um, stuff like that, which Steven has talked about. They want to do partner emotes like hugging and, you know, stuff like that. Um, so I think that, you know, having a, a wide variety of emotes like ESO had, because they had Neil, they had pull out instruments, they had, you know, all sorts of diffs, you, you know, so that was good. Um, I know SWOTOR has a lot of stuff. The problem with SWOTOR is a lot of your emotes were blocked behind paywalls. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and uh, that's that's one of the biggest problems for role players is uh, a lot of stuff is blocked behind content. So, which is why role players tend to be good at PvP or PvE because they need to unlock that stuff. Mm -hmm. So, okay, and then uh, Valen, do you have, do you have anything to add? Do you and any like hopes and dreams for being able to express your character in game? Uh, something I would like to see them mm -hmm. kind of come close to in terms of emotes or or just anything like that. Uh, EverQuest Two was very good, at least in the early days, of giving role players, you know, emotes to use, uh, illusions to use, just mm -hmm. as many tools as possible. And since then, not many games have really reached that point. Or like Anduin said, it's locked behind. Mm -hmm. Hey, well, oh, you want this emote? Okay it's in this lockbox that, you know, you have a 0.02% chance of getting it. Or here, it, you can have it, but it's, it's you know, $25 if you want to mm -hmm. be able to dance. So there's, there is kind of a, a gray area about what is too far mm -hmm. for, for role players, but... Uh, which uh, that does bring up something yeah. interesting, which is um, I, I know like one of the bigger criticisms when it comes to anything like wish listing for role playing stuff, because there's, there's plenty that role players would absolutely adore. Um, I know that's probably why animal husbandry is like one of the most consistently asked on things in in the game, is because it's it's supposed to be so customizable. Is uh, I, I think it's important to know that, like I don't I don't know many role players who don't understand and and take thought take take heed of the fact that anything that they're asking for would take away from dev tools um which i i think is important just to state i think a lot of role players know like they're asking for real basic things like just a place for me to put my bio up that other people can see that i am a role player and i, I want to play out this character um yep. especially since we won't have third-party tools because that's Hands down, the the single most popular add-on for role players is TRP or my role play. I haven't role played on WoW in forever. Um, just just a way to flag yourself as a role player. Uh -huh. um, I do remember a really popular add-on back in the day was Griffin Heart items for for World of Warcraft, which allowed you to kind of create items. It's nothing more than a text box and a custom icon, but would you guys like something like that in the game, or are you just kind of I, hoping that Intrepid will add a lot of just good trash that you guys can store and keep? <laughs> trash. <laughs> I think the the biggest thing uh, is pressuring Intrepid um, to add in a IC thing next to your name, you know, mm -hmm. that you can turn on and off, so then people mm -hmm. can know when someone is role playing and when someone isn't. Um, mm -hmm. By doing that. 
I don't think that's breaking immersion. It's literally the simplest thing in there probably to code because you just slap it on there like a like a remove helm or keep your helm shown, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's nothing that isn't in in games before. And I think most things that role players ask for have already been coded and done in MMOs or games in the past. It's mm -hmm. not like anything groundbreaking, like you said. So um, I think something like that would be probably the best thing we could push for is getting that in character uh or ic or whatever or mm -hmm. maybe just rp next to your name uh if you are role playing at the time mm -hmm. yeah because that it wouldn't be any different than flagging for pvp yep if you fly yeah you fly for role play yeah exactly that that makes MMOs sense MMOs have done that before right mm -hmm. i think they have coded that into games before yeah, and that I, it, I it does make a lot of sense because um, that that should be super simple. Like any any intern should be able to throw that into the game. Um, mm -hmm. Now, uh, what are you guys' opinions on like? Because I, I know, so like from a role plays perspective, something like marriage, it's great. Uh, did did you guys see a need for it to be a mechanical thing, especially when we come into like family teleports and how? how worried many of the community might have been about how abusive that could be when it comes to like being able to teleport and fast travel and things like that. Um, do well, you, would you prefer the, these kinds of systems be up to the players to create in their own narrative, or do you like seeing it more as a mechanical thing? So I love the mm -hmm. family system. I like the fact that you can, you know, you not only can get married in the game, but you can also set up, you know, having a family tree and stuff like that and mm -hmm. get siblings in there, you know, and maybe if your character has kids and stuff that are actually players. I think it's an it's a really cool, useful roleplay tool um, that a lot of games don't have. Like, uh, take Swotor, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, you can have a family tree set up with your characters, uh, which is a really cool system. Mm -hmm. Having that for players, I think it just adds more to it, you know? Um, obviously role players are going to have in character weddings aside from the mechanical, uh, marriage system that they're going to have in the game. But I think there's a, a wide variety of things we can, uh, you know, why this is useful and really fun. Valen, do you got any, anything like, you know, that, why you think it, you hate it or, you know, want it? So. Uh, no, I like it. I mean, it, it, it's another tool for role players to use, like. Uh, you know, Final, like uh, another MMO plays Final Fantasy fourteen. You know mm -hmm. they have it. There's this little, little weird because you have to actually schedule it in real time, and there's slots that other people can take. But I, I'm not a huge fan of the teleport just because, you know, the whole thing about this game is travel. Yeah, and it's such a random thing. Like, hey, we're family, so let's just yeet you on over here. It it seems, it it doesn't I feel like there's ways to abuse it. Yeah. Well, not even that. It just kind of. I don't feel like it. Like it, okay, if you both log out in the house, like even if, like if, if you guys are family and you both log out in the same house, it didn't have to be the same time. Maybe get a small buff for that. But teleporting to each other just seems kind of weird. Um, maybe the... message over a long distance with like a bird or something. But like I, I don't know. It the teleporting always seemed really tacked on to the whole family system, and it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, the only thing I could see mm -hmm. that I maybe be okay with is if your partner logged out mm -hmm. that their character maybe would go with you mm -hmm. 
um, that's still a gray area, but it, it's possible that could work. But then that is technically a free teleport because can anything attack that person? You mm -hmm. know, uh, one way I thought around this, um, just thought of, came to my mind, why not have it the only person that everyone can teleport to is the head of the house? So your head of the household or heads of the household, so whoever the, the you know, mother and father, you know, mm -hmm. mother and mother or whatever, you know, uh, whoever they are, those are the only people that can teleport and you can only teleport to them when they activate a rallying call and it could mm -hmm. could easily be seen as like a recall stone that's like uh you know magic or something like that you could you could code that into the world you know but that's even you know... then this seems like we're trying to logic a decision that doesn't quite fit yeah um especially so yeah, in a uh... world that there's fast travel is not a thing like yeah. at all like portals no. really aren't supposed to be a big thing so yeah it's different in World of Warcraft. Use your Hearthstone. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, I will say that mm -hmm. they did put some restrictions in place. Mm -hmm. uh, I mentioned that if uh, they're corrupted, mm -hmm. they cannot teleport. If they're part of a siege or part of a caravan, they cannot teleport. Uh, if they actually have any materials uh, on their in their inventory, you cannot teleport. Mm -hmm. So there are restrictions where it's not a simple... It's a simple process, but but still, it does allow, you know, I'm in a metropolis to the north. I don't feel like making that trip down, so, you know, you make that trip all the way down, then, then summon me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's... I, I think that will end up being changed some once we actually get it tested in alpha. But it's possible the majority of people like it, so it may stay. Which mm -hmm. is fair. Um, okay. So, uh, as far as to kind of like summarize up till now, uh, it, it sounds like Intrepid has a lot of fun ideas. Uh, as long as they like don't half-ass any of them, they go all the way with like emotes. Let them be, uh, very expressive. Let them sync up with other people. Don't lock them behind a bunch of, uh, paywalls. And I'll, I'll revisit that in just a moment, but also like, the, the player housing like it sounds like intrepid's already got really good foundation for role play and like role players as a whole probably aren't asking for anything extra from what i've heard especially considering like the character sheet like you said that's pretty much trp like that that's what it was initially for was just to give you a place to tell like god last time i role played on an mmo people are still doing character songs and they were all breaking benjamin revanescence i aged myself there <laughs> but um i can't i still can't listen to a breaking bad song without having wrath of the lich king flashbacks uh yeah. <laughs> all the all the edgy ama you know <laughs> mm -hmm. so knowing knowing that it, it seems like aoc has a fantastic foundation for role players so long as they can divorce themselves from the fact that they're gonna die and if you're flagged for roleplay, you're definitely going to get hunted by someone, which is going to happen. Um, but, you know, then they get corrupted, and then your friends can gank them, and the world is back in balance. Uh, I, I am curious, like, your guys' personal thoughts, but also if you might have any insight from the uh, community as a whole, the big thing would be the monetization. Um, 
Lord knows Asmongold said it during his, uh, and he says it all the time, but like cosmetics are the end game. Grinding stuff is the end game of an MMO. Uh, for a lot of MMOs, it's usually the role players are the last to finally kind of just leave. Um, and like even Steven has admitted repeatedly how important cosmetics and customization is. Again, why people are consistently asking. There's always at least four or five questions about animal husbandry every single month and they have been ignored every single month because we're in the pre-alpha and nothing for animal husbandry has been remotely fleshed yep. out. Um, what are your guys' opinions on the fact that this is absolutely the most monetized part of the game? And of course, everyone supports that. So, um, my, my, one, uh, my main RP officer, mm -hmm. he has the mantra that, you know, glamour is the end game you know mm -hmm. your fashion is your end game uh though when it really comes down to it most role players are going to be where your big whales for you know buying stuff is you know what i mean mm -hmm. you look at other games they're buying all the costumes they're doing all the purchasing of you know the houses and the things like that so uh when it really comes down to it is i do feel that the role players are uh part of the most monetized portion of the game because they want to look good um are you saying that they're I... perhaps they kind of dug their own grave there by consistently like supporting like i mean shops? yeah i mean <laughs> of, of course of course developers are gonna pull money where they need where people consistently buy stuff from mm -hmm. however most companies they also do a lot of fan service type costumes and things like that. When when role players pressure companies, they tend to give the role players what they want. Mm -hmm. As much as like we like to whine and moan about how we're never, you know, noticed by anyone, most companies do give you those cosmetics that you want. Sure, mm -hmm. it might take a year or two, but they give you it eventually, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, so you're where... saying the uh, the Vera Beach collection is absolutely on the way. It's just a matter of time. I actually like Steven's stance that he doesn't <laughs> want like a sexualized game. I'm, you know, call me what I am. I I like it. I like it that he wants to keep that immersion to a fantasy setting instead of you know Final Fantasy, where mm -hmm. you know you can make yourself look however the heck you want. You can drive so, a car. Yes, you can drive a car. <laughs> so you know, I, that's the thing is I like that he's trying to keep it. To a medieval type setting where yeah you got flying beasts and monsters and stuff and magic but it's still medieval like we're not having you know where there's no steampunkiness to it um the the armor that we have seen that has shown skin there's a reason to it because mm -hmm. it's a it's a uh, a cultural thing like you see with the renkai they're a more orcish group so they they have like their big bulging muscles, you know, but they're they have heavy armor mm -hmm. in the places that make sense. It's on their shoulders, their sure. necks, their heads, you know, the all of the really important stuff, you know, lungs and lungs and chest and stuff. They might show their abdominals and stuff. But and then kind um, of on that topic, um, so like I'll, I'll ask you, Valen, uh, if if Intrepid were to start kind of like tipping that scale, start showing a bit more skin. And I'm not talking like old school Conan the Barbarian uh, bikini male. Maybe maybe we are. Uh, would you want to see it where it's like 
obviously, obviously some rules have to be attended to for nudity purposes. But like if if Intrepid puts out a bikini costume, do you want to see the like let the males run around in, in the two piece? Or do you want to see like what we've traditionally seen with MMOs where you're because you players are going to be creative enough. We're always going to have a slut mog of some sort. A, a, a sloop mogs are just going to exist. There's no getting around that. So uh, what, what's your opinion on it? Should it be genderized, I guess is the word I'm looking for? If they go that route, then I, I think uh, it should be even or equal mm-hmm. between both. So, you know, a lot of times you have it where like the the female models will get one type and then the male models will get another type. World of and... Warcraft, of course, being like the worst about it, especially yes. back in classic. Yeah, so mm-hmm. if they go that route of, you know, during the summer they do a beach set, mm-hmm. then, you know, if you show X amount of skin for one, you show X amount for the other. Like, mm-hmm. it's... It, it doesn't bother... Like, I, I don't want to see it everywhere because mm-hmm. it does break immersion when... You know, if you're in, like, the snowy mountains, mm-hmm. and then people, like, you know, dress as that. Of course, game gameplay, it doesn't make any difference. But for roleplay, it does completely take you out. Sure. I, I think mindset. one of one of my biggest concerns mm-hmm. as a long-time roleplayer is, you know, and I don't judge people on what they like to do roleplaying, but mm-hmm. my biggest concern always whenever anyone uh, brings up bikini wear or stuff like that is it... It opens up your Goldshire-esque type role players to get mm-hmm. more of a center stage. And when that becomes your center stage, it really pollutes and uh, really makes your um, community become more that way. And that's something I'd like to avoid because the best role play that I've always found has been like that political mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, interacting with, you know, just the average slice of life type role play where once you get those those types of role players becoming the main focus for your role play community, it kind of goes downhill. So sure. Always, always hard to thread that needle. Um, and I mean, on the other hand of that, you're absolutely, you're going to get plenty of people who, uh, like, we've already got some Centurion cosplays. I remember, like, the 300 cosplays got real yep. big for a little bit there back in, uh, for World of Warcraft. You, it's always cool to see someone, like, One Punch Man, mog it up. <laughs> uh-huh. um, so I, I'll, I'm curious to see how people are going to, like, make that system work. Um, okay, so it, it, it sounds like, it, it might be an inevitability if it is inevitable to keep it within reason, um, which I, I think is fair. Uh, talking about like the general system for costuming, how, like I, I've played ESO. I freaking love their transmog system. I think it's the best way to do it is just let me pick the look and then it doesn't matter what I'm wearing underneath it. I just, I want to keep this consistent look. Um, I know other people really like they, they prefer World of Warcrafts where if you, are dressed in a bag of Skittles. That's kind of just what it is. Where where do you guys sit on that for from a more role play perspective? For role play, I I agree with you. ESO is the best. I mean, mm-hmm. you got that transmog with you know you can wear the armor you want and then dye it how you want. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's you know for role players. I don't think role players like to look like you know the reading rainbow. So mm-hmm. most role players like to be immersed in you know looking good. So. Yeah, I remember a lot of my early uh, leveling sets. Once I got my uh, 
my yak mount I would just keep with a uh, with a standard like a Stormwind Guard kind of set because it just let me feel good running through it and I've, I just kind of felt like a like a consistent character throughout the whole time. Um, yeah, I can't uh, tell you how long I wore the Mo Grain set. Uh, you know the Scarlet Crusade stuff because mm -hmm. it was the only good looking matching set mm -hmm. uh, when you first unlocked. So or was it Harad? The shoulder, that's Harad, wasn't mm -hmm. that? Yeah. yeah, the the big red shoulder, the big single red shoulder, yeah. Yep. So. Another game that did it really well was mm -hmm. uh, Rift. Rift? Yeah, anytime you picked up an item that you did not have, mm -hmm. it unlocked the visual in for your... Actually, it was for your account, actually. So anytime you made a new character, the visuals were unlocked for that character. Mm -hmm. So, you know, plate armor could go over li uh, like cloth armor. But then you would open up a wardrobe tab and could just select what you want mm -hmm. and just build outfits. And that actually ended up becoming another uh, monetization option because they they charge for outfit slots. Mm. That's so disappointing. Think, but uh... yeah, I think you got like two or three free. Mm -hmm. But then you would, if you wanted more, you would buy it. And and truthfully, that was a game that I think I had like thirty outfits. Mm -hmm. Because I had one for no matter what I needed. So and yeah, for uh, for AOC, would you guys like? Cause obviously, like a huge draw of it is them trying to really make it as immersive as possible. Um, at going as far as like not really letting you see uh, health and mana, not maybe not even letting you see the the level of the person you're trying to fight, things like that. Would you like to see it where? You have an item, you take it to a person, they destroy that item, and then you get the look of it? Or do you want to see it kind of like maybe Rift or even ESO? Like I think in ESO, either you destroy it or you sell it, and that's when you get it. Or if you just put it on. And Rift, of course, so the, the old So the old ESO was you had to learn the motif, mm -hmm. um, like the crafting style of, mm -hmm. of it, which is a huge, huge gold sink because... Mm -hmm. There's now a hundred and some motifs in the game, each ranging from, you know, 5k upwards to, you know, 3 million for one, one mm -hmm. motif. So uh, they switched it to once you pick up something, you get it, you know, it's added on there. So personally, I hope they do that pick up thing or... You know, once you once you as a player deconstruct it, mm -hmm. you get it as as you know you now know how it looks, and you can use it as a transmog. Either of those, I would be good with. Mm -hmm. um, I just want the ability to put those transmogs on top of my stuff because yeah, uh, and that's that's why these... I had the idea uh, for like you bring it to a say it's an illusionist or something. Yep, and she can deconstruct it, and now you have that as a as an illusion over your armor, which makes sense for a transmog. I, I think that makes as, as a great, like immersive way to add stuff to, to allow you to like, cause if, if you're running around in a costume as well, some people will be running around in dresses during a siege. Well, mm -hmm. un until the, the default armor kicks in, but you, that some people will be trying to raid in, in a ball gown, which, cause I know you were talking about like the more medieval feel, but we do already have angels and demons. We've, we've got like, um, colonial era ball gowns and, and suits like the, the the general vibe of vera so far has been very random i'm curious to see how they're going to like pull everything together into a cohesive image but for right now visually we're kind of all over the place <laughs> um and in talking about being visually all over the place um obviously we've already got some guilds in the server that are very 
race specific, um, we're going to push a little away from personal customization to more node customization. What are do you guys have any personal feelings towards the uh, how a node's uh, aesthetic is decided upon? Like, because I, I personally, mm -hmm. I wish it was a uh, a vote. Mm -hmm. um, I wish it was a vote because a lot of people are choosing the race that they like because mm -hmm. it's what their their character is and what they always play. But they might not necessarily like the architecture, you know. Mm -hmm. Not everyone's going to want to live in a Nakua village, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But let's say everyone chooses to be Nakua. They might not like that architecture. So I feel like that kind of almost, in a way, takes uh, some of the freedom away from players. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, similar to like how the armor system Steven's talking about. I feel like it kind of takes some player agency away. So yeah, um, and we'll cover that in just a second. I, I know uh, with with the buildings, I, I'm really like I, I brought it up before another in the forums and the like where dwarves won't they they won't be the most played race. No, it's going to be they, humans. Uh... It's going to be elves. It's 110 percent going to be both. Like that's it. <laughs> I, I've we, never. Uh... We put out some some um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, certain censuses mm -hmm. or a census of uh, players. Uh, it seems like yes, your Empyreans, your Pyrai, your Kalar are your top races, followed by Dunir. Dunir is one of the more popular ones. Mm -hmm. Orcs seem to be the least popular. And we'll we'll see what happens. I think. Yeah. And. That's a that's a conversation for a different day. I know right now the races all kind of have this problem of being very homogenized. Um, yeah. Even the orcs don't really stand out. Like they're not really like a ugly race in the same sense as the Mer for ESO or the Horde for World of Warcraft. Like they don't really stand out to me in any unique way. Yeah, they're um, just giant, large red humans with yeah. you know tusks. And, and even with that, like once we have the sliders and everything, we'll see how different like the, the sizes really are but i'm not sure yet if just through silhouette alone we'd be able to tell the difference between all these races um wow. eso obviously like telling the difference between a uh a, a nord and a red guard is a little little rough especially in the middle of like with all the armor and everything and it gets by through fine so it's probably just me kind of overthinking things but we'll uh we'll see for uh but as far as the notes, I know, like, one of my things that I would love to see happen, and maybe down the line as an expansion, is to allow um, districts. So, like, specific areas. If, if dwarves did uh, contribute a, significantly to, like, a few different buildings or to a node, they at least get a little bit of representation. And it's not just an entire Kalar metropolis. Um, I... I... I like the idea mm -hmm. of having, you know, cities and metros having their own little district, like sub districts, like mm -hmm. Stormwind. I've been, I've said this all along since the beginning. It'd be cool if, in a metro, your second most popular race had their own little like dwarven mm -hmm. district type of thing. You know, like how they have that in in Stormwind. Yeah. Because I feel like that would give people a place to, you know, call home. 
mm-hmm. you know, when they're visiting the city. It also make it a little more immersive so that every single city is not literally every city city is an Empyrean or a Kalar city, mm-hmm. you know. You might have that weird mix up where what if, you know, this is an Empyrean popular race, but then suddenly, like you said, orcs uh are the second most popular race and mm-hmm. they have their little section in there. So Yeah, and that's We'll we'll have to wait and see how that comes out, and of course how we'll have to wait and see how the metros look when they're. Cause I'm I'm imagining uh-huh. the metros might just be pushing the border of whatever node they're in, and then the surrounding nodes kind of like fill in that role of being a district. Um, yep. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Um, but yeah, uh, as we're kind of on this with uh, I just lost my train of thought. We're talking about um, yeah, the armors, cosmetics. yeah. So, yep, armors. Uh, Valen, going, going a little bit back to the armors and sticking with like racial themes. Do you, what's your opinion on? And of course, we'll come back. I know you have thoughts as well, Kayvon, for time. Oh no, I've t- I've talked a lot today. So, yeah. <laughs> it's, all, it's all good. Feel like I'm talking too much. So keep, uh, yeah, go on. <laughs> so, Valen, what's what's your thoughts on? armors being tied to your race rather than by like the style like it is an ESO. I'm not a huge fan of it. I, mm-hmm. I understand the point based on what, you know, the reason being is Steven had said that each race has a unique body. Mm-hmm. And so instead of them making each armor fit each race, they could just make each race have their own unique style. Um, that it is kind of strange that they don't use the same skeleton Mm -hmm. because normally that's the issue with games is you know you have uh i'll use final fantasy 14 for example i think they have four different skeletons Mm -hmm. and what do they have like eight races so two races each share a skeleton so when they make armor they make the armor for the four skeletons and then it fits well, and let's take an even more egregious example, ESO. They completely changed uh, bestial races just to ensure that everybody has the same exact skeleton. I never really mentioned it either. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the thing of, is it that each race is that different? Which, I mean, from concept art... And from the, the really. A1, it doesn't look like they're... I mean, even the Dunier are just short. Um... So that, I, well, they're they're a little. They walk funny. They like kind of walk with their feet pointed outwards and stuff. Sure. So, I think that out of out of the races we've seen so far, the Dunir are the most different because um, they're stockier. They have shorter arms, you know, stuff like that. So. Yeah, but I, I'm curious if that means they have a completely different skeleton, though. And if they do, that's that's fine. But uh, like, look at World of Warcraft. Most of their races. So I, I want to say I read that they don't do skeletons per se. What they do is uh, bits and pieces, and they kind of just have that all blended together. Um, uh-huh. So, uh, for for example, like they made the Jinyu way back during Mop, and they used a lot of that, like almost all of the Jinyu, to recreate the Sethrak. Um, so, like, they've... They, they kind of just develop their own way of like think of it kind of as as a uh relational database type deal but for skeletons and animations because wow has all of their armor all the way back to classic fit even on the newest of races 
um, all with unique uh, animations, unique ways of wearing them, and everything else in between. So I don't know if I buy like, oh, they have different skeletons. Like, you're you're, you're, yeah, you're making the same number of armors regardless. It, it's it's not as different as like wow like mm -hmm. wow has all of the races look unique they all have different like sizes and stuff like mm -hmm. yeah i guess the tauren are kind of the same body just larger than the orcs type of thing and the trolls are just skinnier than the orcs mm -hmm. but like you know i feel like all the different races have different skeletons mm -hmm. and different looks to them so i also think another big part is it does come down to if you look at Steven's inspirations, mm -hmm. Lineage 2. That's a major one for him. Every I don't think I've seen a stream where it wasn't mentioned mm -hmm. as like one of his favorite games. And a lot of the older MMOs like that, that's what they tended to do, where each race had its own unique style and it didn't copy over. So you know, as a human character, I could get put on the same chest piece that your dwarf wears. Mm -hmm. Mine's going to look human. Yours is going to look dwarf. It's the downside. The reason I don't like it is one of the big things in MMOs, you know, as a new person or even an old person is seeing somebody walk by and go, you know, that armor looks really good. Mm -hmm. And sure, it may be hard to get it. You know, they go, oh, no, it's a raid. You have to do all this. That That's fine. But then they go, oh, you have to be an Empyrean to wear this. Yeah, which is already kind of worse. Like, because it, it, it's one thing to be in, you know, classic like, man, the, judge, the judgment set looks good. And it does. It still holds up. But then you have to, like, you have to play a paladin for it. Okay, that's way different than you have to play a paladin and you have to play a, because uh, we don't yet know if there's going to be, like, for the most part, all classes should be sharing all the weapons, but we don't know if there's going to be any that are specific to classes. So there might be a time when, like, yeah, you have to be a Kalar and a Cleric. And just... Yeah, it, I, I don't know. It's, it, it is kind of weird. It's also, for me, for both a roleplay and just an economic point of view, I, I feel like it adds a lot more if you see a, a, a Dwarven chess piece, and you're like, man, I want that. But you have to go find somebody who actually specializes in in dwarven smithing or something like that. Kind of like going back to ESO, uh, ESO's yep. original thing. Um, but they could sell that to you because, like in ESO, whereas that's a huge sink and it doesn't really, it doesn't fit the loop as well as I would say, like as it does here in AOC. Where hunting out a specific crafter for that is what the game is all about. Um, I, 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 feel I agree like, with that. Yeah, that'd like be cool, like pillar. a master, a master smith of that of that style. So mm -hmm. a master dwarf would be able to craft you that armor, yeah. and or like teach you that style if you pay them X amount of gold. Mm -hmm. That'd be a cool system to have, because you know, what if I want to play Kalar, but I love the the Dunier armor? Mm -hmm. I really think that having that option would really uh, be beneficial. So. Yeah. And I'm not even sure if this is something that a lot of other players would argue against because it just creates more items, creates more more movement throughout the economy, um, more reasons to go hunt out specialized players. Uh, I, I think this would be... I, I haven't met too many people who are like, man, I really like the fact that if I wear Dwarven armor, it's just going to turn into my Elven armor. And I, I even even when I posted about the silhouettes, because I, I posted on the forums talking about 
all the races look identical, people are like, well, the, the armor will help. And I'm like, I don't want to memorize all this armor and say, oh, yeah, that's that's Empyrean armor. Like, I don't No, <laughs> I'm not Asmongold. I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, yep. So it's. I guess the only other thing just from a mm -hmm. developer point of view is if they do it racial armor like that, mm -hmm. it allows them to make sure the armor works together. Mm -hmm. So you don't have as much clipping, which I it, it's going to happen no matter what you do. There's always clipping in games because you wear something that shouldn't go with something else, but mm -hmm. it works. And I I don't I don't like that as a, a reason either to say, oh well, we can't do this because it'll clip. Yeah. Don't fifteen years of World of clips, Warcraft. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, if it bothers you that it clips, then then don't wear it. But mm -hmm. if somebody else likes it, then you know, fine. Uh, I think it, at most, if they really wanted to keep races to have a, a style, then that they wanted only that race to have, then do something like mm -hmm. what, you know, WoW has with the, uh, I think, what, what they call the heritage armor sets? Mm -hmm. Or like Guild Wars 2, where each race had a few tiers of armor that only that race could wear like I, I still dislike that because then again that armor set maybe look really good that a human can't wear but at mm -hmm. least it doesn't mean that every armor is just for this race and that's it mm -hmm. it also doesn't make as much sense so we're supposed to be in a big sandbox and if you say it's for role play reasons i kind of i kind of that's a big rail yeah, really that's, big that's something I've been <laughs> wanting to wanting to point out for a while is mm -hmm. we were told we're given all this freedom, but this is why it, do it I sticks out so much? That's that's I think yeah, that's why, why do it, I it have to be us. if I want to be a wood elf? Why do I have to dress like wood elf? Mm -hmm. How can, what if I was a wood elf that was raised by Kalar parents? Mm -hmm. You know, wouldn't my culture then be Kalar? Uh, so I feel like you're and, railroading well, And people. some people have said, like, oh, well, that doesn't fit the lore because we were all fairly segregated when we went to... But why were we segregated? Because yeah, we came through know. the portal in the Sanctus, and we don't, you know, it just doesn't make sense so far of the lore. Like, if we've been on there for thousands of years, you'd think people would be more likely to help one another. Yeah, you know, especially uh, considering than... some of those first quests, if they are representative of what we'll get in the uh in the live game we're coming through the portal and everyone's like hey this is a dangerous world go out and help go get them tiger yep. and you're doing it with all these other people around you it's supposed to be about the players not the races like i i don't know like any kind of like racial angst just starts making it feel like factions and like yep. it's such a weird thing for a game that's supposed to be so against it it's it, it's yeah, one see, of those things that real sticks out mm-hmm what I think is if they do want to make that initial angst, racial angst, mm -hmm. they need to straight up be, we need to expand for the the, the Kalar kingdom or something, you mm -hmm. know. We need to establish ourselves here so then, the, you know, the other races don't, you know. Either you need to go 100% into racial segregation within this thing with having these different races hate each other, mm -hmm. or you need to just do away with it. You can't, you know... This, yeah, this, this is what happened half... in the past. You you might be able to play a character who has some hmm. angst about it, but for the most part, no one cares. I, I could see yeah, that. Because, mm -hmm. because why my guild, you know, the Grey Sentinels, we have members that are orcs, 
dw- mm-hmm. uh, dwarves, humans, elves, Tolner. If we're really so divided culturally, why would our guilds ever unite under banners together? Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't make any sense to me. So. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll we'll see if they change it. Hopefully, um, hopefully you guys do a really good job of sharing this video with everyone so that Steven sees it and they'll change it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, with that, I, I think I'm about out of questions. Is there any closing statements or notes or topics that you always think we didn't get to? Uh, I think the main thing is, you know, if, if you guys, if anyone listening to this, if you have any questions about role play, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Valen and myself were on all the discords and stuff. Uh, you guys can reach out to us anytime um, to a- ask questions about the community and stuff. We're doing this as volunteers. We don't want to control things. We want to make sure that you know we're building up that community, bringing in new faces. So mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the day, come join us. Even if you're a fresh newbie to uh, roleplay and you're just interested in how it works and stuff, join on in if you're a veteran and you know you're you're just looking into uh uh into aoc and you're not exactly quite sure if it's role play friendly just come in and join us uh the big thing is the only way the role play community in a game like this is going to be effective effective is if we come together create our you know role play factions and support one another in these stories and stuff being isolationist, you know, being by yourself, it's not going to bef- benefit you. It's not going to benefit uh, benefit the community as a whole. Mm-hmm. So please do come join us and, uh, you know, reach out to us. So, yeah. Valen, any, any closing comments? Yeah. And uh, like you said, you know, if you've never role played before, you're still welcome. Like uh, even people that's been role playing for years, you still have stuff to learn and, everybody has to start somewhere uh i've been in so many roleplay communities over the years where in roleplay guilds where it's like oh you've never roleplayed before you're not welcome and it's like that's not us we we want new people to come in that that's never roleplay but that wants to try it and most of us here we will help you we will help you learn how to do it and and make sure you have a good time Hey guys, thank you for listening this far. If you enjoyed this, make sure to like, subscribe, follow, anything you need to do so you can catch the next interviews. I'll be trying to put out videos just about every Friday or so. And if you did like the content and you want to see some more of just me, make sure to come hang out on my Twitch, twitch.tv slash And otherwise, have a great day.